Hey friends, welcome back to the Love and Relationships Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Faleta, and I'm so glad you're tuning into these candid conversations about love, sex, dating, singleness, and marriage. For those of you who don't know me or are tuning in for the first time, I'm a licensed professional counselor and author specializing in relationship issues. I also run the relationship advice blog, truelovedates.com, reaching millions of people with the message that healthy people make healthy relationships. If you've tuned into the podcast before, you know it's a hotline style show, meaning people call in or write in with their relationship questions, and I answer them on this show in short, practical, bite-sized answers. If you have a question that you want me to answer on the show, send it via email or voice memo to deborah at truelovedates.com or check out my podcast page, truelovedates.com slash love and relationships, and I'll do my best to get it answered on one of the episodes. So let's get started. Hi, Deborah. My name is Kim from Delaware, Ohio. My question is, what does healthy dating look like? What are key ingredients to a healthy dating relationship? Friends, I'm so excited to introduce you to Ben Stewart, who's going to be joining me on the podcast today, tackling this important question. Ben Stewart is the pastor of Passion City Church in Washington, D.C., and the author of Single, Dating, Engaged, Married. Prior to joining Passion City Church, Ben served for 11 years as the executive director of Breakaway Ministries, a weekly Bible study attended by thousands of college students on the campus of Texas A&M. He earned his master's degree in historical theology from Dallas Theological Seminary. Ben and his wife, Donna, live to inspire and equip people to walk with God for a lifetime. Ben, it's so good to have you. Well, thanks, Deborah. It's good to be here. This is a a topic that you've kind of um, developed a passion for over the years, right? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, it probably started because I was the last one of my friends to get married. So I had a lot of time to sort of evaluate what singleness was for and really how to use it well. And then when I became a college pastor, I just watched so many young people I love struggle with the increasing complexity of how we relate to each other. So it really became a just a compassionate concern. How can I give people clarity in yeah. an area that has a lot of stress and it, wanted it really to alleviate does. that? It really does have a lot of stress. And I, I really think, and w- one thing that I've kind of learned along the way, experientially, but also from my audience, is that... This whole issue with dating is a little more stressful to Christians than the average people because we've spent so many years avoiding it altogether. We've spent so many years kissing it goodbye and saying that dating was the enemy and dating is unholy and dating is is setting us up for divorce. And next thing you know, you have an entire generation that has no idea how to relate to the opposite sex. Mm. Yeah, and it's hard, you know, in the past, and, and I don't deify ways things happened in the past, but it's amazing to look in different cultures. The church felt a sense of responsibility to help young people pair off well. Mm. Now, whether their strategies were good or not, 
that feeling was there of like, how do we help them pair off? And churches would host dances and things like that. And it's sad to me to see. <laughs> you must have went to a different church than mine. I grew. Oh. I went to a Southern Baptist college, and they definitely weren't hosting dances. <laughs> they were not dancing. Oh no, this wasn't in my day. This was like back in the day. Like read a history book, you know. But like, yeah, the last couple of decades, it's been kind of, hey, you got to go do that elsewhere. Yeah. And it's been a lot of fumbling around, and um, and you know, going through some needless hurt. You're and absolutely I, right. Yeah. So it's been something I, I didn't necessarily think I would talk this much about dating and life, but I'm so happy to because I just love people. And if I can help them, it's a win to me. And you're married, right? Tell us a little bit about just your your relationship with your wife and your family. Yeah, I am married. We moved two years ago to Washington, D.C. So we live uh, in the center of the nation's capital where a third of the city is 20 to 35. So we're surrounded by young professionals, singles. And, you know, my wife and I love that. We thrive in that environment. She is the super creative photographer, singer, writer, endless source of fun and creativity. And, uh, uh, I'm just on for the ride, I guess. But you're you're the serious uh, one. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Right. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, we got married a little later. I guess now it's about the average age people get married. But for our, our we're not that old, but we were late in our friendship circles. But uh, now we have three kids. And so we tell people we're tired but happy. Yeah, so. I hear you. We have three kids too. I totally get that. Um, so this is such a good question. You know, if for those of you who listen to this podcast on a regular basis, you know that my main message is that healthy people make healthy relationships. And I'm always talking about the importance of mental, emotional, physical, psychological, and spiritual health. Because if you don't get that right, you're not going to attract a healthy dating relationship in the first place. You've got to be healthy in order to attract a healthy dating relationship. So you've heard me talk about being healthy. But today the question is all about what does healthy dating then actually look like? Once you've become healthy, the assumption is that you've become healthy and now you're dating. How do I know that that I'm in a good dating relationship? What can I look for? What should I not look for? So that's what Ben and I want to kind of bring to the table today. Um, what, What do we believe healthy dating and relationships should look like? So Ben, I want to start with your thoughts on this subject. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, you know, I, um, oh my gosh, you could go so many directions with something that broad and certainly have, but what I've been thinking about, maybe a way to frame it that's interesting to me is, you know, I'm reading with my kids, the old allegory, um, the pilgrim's progress, Yeah, you know, and it's that picture of this Christian pilgrim walking down the road that leads to life. And as he's walking down the road, there's a moment where he he comes to, it, it's a house that's a picture of the church, and he meets three women, and they he sits at his feet, and they teach him how to live life. And their names were Charity, Piety, and Prudence, were the three girls' names, which sounds so old school. But um, Bunyan, who wrote it, was like, this is what you need to live yeah. a healthy life, to walk well. And he used these old terms. Charity is the word for love, and piety is about honor and character and prudence is wisdom. And so thinking about dating, like you said, as a healthy human being, I think those are the three things you need. Like, do I really know that I'm loved by God? 
And am I looking to love this person? Unhealthy dating is, I am a drain. I'm coming to you looking for you to fill the vacancy, to make me feel good about myself so that I won't be so lonely in the world. And that's a lot of pressure and freight to put on another human being. It really is. But, you know, confidence in the love of God takes all that desperation out of dating. You're like, I know God loves me, so I can be a fountain, not a drain. And so as you and I go to dinner or go bowling or whatever you do, all I've got to do now is is just love you, like encourage you, whatever role I meant to play in your life. Now, now while we're there, I'm evaluating, are you and I a good fit? Are we yeah. a fit to, to run life together? But I don't have to onboard all this anxiety about, I got to make you like me so I can feel good about me and how, how's this going? Um, that confidence that I'm loved and that freedom to, I just got to encourage you and we'll be whatever we're supposed to be, friends, acquaintances, or lovers. Yeah, that'll that, all that really sh- is a good, shake out. that really is such a good way to look at dating. I always tell people, you know, First Thessalonians tells us to edify and encourage one another. And that should be the the, the, the theme verse for dating, <laughs> like edify yes. and encourage one another. That's yes. your job, whether it's someone in the body of Christ, your your friend, you know, your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ, or somebody you're dating in the body yeah. of Christ, you know, just encourage and edify each other. Well, and I would say I got every dating relationship wrong for years. I mean, they were just a complete dumpster fire of pain and confusion. And, and then I remember when this thought clarified for me of, I dated a girl and I thought, you know what? At the end of the day, I want her, whatever role I play in her life, I want her to be more of who she's meant to be as a woman under God as a result of my influence, of being in my orbit. Yes. I want to make you, and and then that's it. And we ended up, she was awesome, and I'm a good guy, but we realized we're not a fit. But she went on and married someone great. I went on and married someone great, and we're fine. And I was like, man, that, I'm... I'm glad that's in my story. I do think the little role I played for a short period in our life, we both helped each other grow and mature as human beings and encouraged one another as long as it's called today and lived out all those beautiful Christian one another's as we were evaluating, are we a fit? I love that. I love that because I really believe that you can do dating with no regrets. You can do dating well. Um, You know, along these lines, I would say if we want to, give some really practical, like, what are we looking for? Let's start with this mutual faith, because if, if, if I'm loving Jesus, you know, like we're talking about here and I'm coming into this relationship to pour into and love you the way I'm meant to, if you're not dating someone who's a believer, you're not going to yeah. get that reciprocity that you're meant to have in a dating relationship. You know, a lot of people call it missionary dating, where you're dating someone who's not a Christian and you're pouring into them and pouring into <laughs> them and pouring into them, hoping that that love is going to somehow magically make them love Jesus. Yeah. But that's not how it works. So mutual yeah. faith has to be a part of a healthy dating relationship in order for you to be able to encourage and edify one another. It can't be a one-way street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell people, just in a broad sense, you want to look for cause, character, and chemistry. And number one is, are we chasing the same cause? Are we running the same direction? You know, because, uh, you know, Paul said that, don't be yoked together with an unbeliever. A yoke is what attached to animals, meaning you're going the same direction. But yes. if you're saying, I exist to know God, I'm made for him, like Colossians says, and this other person's like, what? No, I'm 
trying to be happy or get a career. Like whatever you think is happening with the universe, whoever think you made it, that value will shape your goals. Your goals will shape your decisions. Your decisions will make your life. Yeah. And so you want to be lockstep on the biggest thoughts in life. Um, who is God? Why are we here? What's wrong with us? How's it dealt with? If you have different answers to those fundamental questions, your lives will go different directions. Absolutely. They ultimately will. And the, and the charm will fade. The beauty will fade. And you will be lonely laying in bed next to someone who can't speak to you about the deepest things in life. Mm. And it's not worth it. it really and I've, worth I've, it. I've, I've cried with too many people who sacrificed that over somebody who looked cute in a pair of jeans and you just don't want that. You're absolutely right. I love that you talk about the yoke. Um, it's funny. I live in Lancaster County. Okay. So there are <laughs> Amish people left yes. and right. I mean, I'm literally like watching the mules, you know, do their thing. I don't even know agricultural terminology, so yeah. I'm not even going to try, but you know, you're watching the mules and it's like, th this is crazy. We live in 2019. But here's the coolest part. A pastor of my church um, comes from a former Amish background. Wow. So in a chapter, I, I wrote this book that I have coming out called Love in Every Season. And one mm -hmm. of the chapters, we talk about the importance of spirituality in a relationship. So this, mm -hmm. this verse being equally yoked, right? Do not be unequally yoked. I actually... Um, called up my pastor because he grew up in the Amish world. And I was like, can you tell me a little bit about from your perspective, what does this mutual yoking actually mean? Like you're Amish and this is what you did, right? <laughs> you and do yokes. You yeah. do yokes. Exactly. I don't even know what a yoke is. And it was amazing though, Ben, he, when he was explaining this to me, first of all, we would never yoke a mule to a horse, right? Like right. clearly that's not going to happen. So in my mind, if the mule's a Christian, and the horse is a non-Christian, like, of course, yeah. that's like a non-negotiable. But not only that, then the mules have to be similar in their temperament. Yeah. They have to have a personality that's in sync, and they have to have similar strength. Because if one mule is stronger than the other mule, it's going to mess up yeah. the yoke. If mm -hmm. one mule has a, has a different disposition or temperament, it's not going to work. And so he was yeah. telling me about all these mules they had to try and pair together and some were a good match and some weren't. And I just was listening and just kind of applying that to the Christian life and thinking, man, sometimes we make this even too basic. Sometimes yeah. we just say, marry a Christian, when really, what, you, what even you alluded to, compatibility and yeah. like your faith has to be the same, at least similar levels of faith, because we've got baby Christians, we've yeah. got senior citizen Christians, as far as like how long they've loved Jesus. So there's a lot more to this, I think, sometimes than we put effort and thought into when it comes to being mutually yoked, equally yoked. Totally. I completely agree. And, you know, I think about, you know, Genesis, the longest chapter in Genesis is about Isaac finding Rebecca, mm. you know, and back then your dad set it up and Abraham's really only criteria is don't take a wife from my son from among the Canaanites. There's no fear of God with this crowd. So we need to go get a woman who has a fear of the Lord. And then, you know, Abraham and Isaac, they were, they had moved following the promises of God. They were living on the cutting edge of faith. I mean, they're yeah. out there trusting God. And it was like, hey, and she has to be willing to live like this. If she's not willing to, uh, it won't work. You know, she's got to be willing to be chasing as hard after 
the Lord as yes. Isaac is, or else this isn't really going to work. And yeah. so that's why I always put that first. I'm like, man, that is going to edit out so many people. I mean, it it's going to narrow the field. And, and some people that discourages them. And I'm like, no, you've winnowed out people you're not a good fit with. Now right. you have a higher percentage chance of meeting somebody. That's actually a good for, fit. That's actually going to well, work. Yeah. And then for me with character, that's the next piece is, do you trust him? You know, yeah. that I'm about to do a funeral um, for a man. And I just, I mean, literally right before you and I got on this um, podcast, I was reading what his wife wrote about him. Mm, man, I know it's not good timing for me to read it, but she just, um, she said he would always go to bed just a little bit before me. And she said it was a normal thing for me to lay in bed and look at him and say, I have a good man. Man. She said, I found myself thinking that all the time. Like, he's good. He's good to me. He's mm. good to my children. I'm what like, man, gift. don't, I'm like, don't, don't sacrifice the peace that's afforded to you when you have character like that. Yes. That it's, it's um, you know, Proverbs will say that that is far better than rubies. It's far better than riches. You want someone that you can trust them, that you go, yes. they are going to. They're not going to have harsh words that are like the thrust of a sword. They're going to have a tongue of the wise that brings healing. Like yes. you want someone to go, I can trust them. And that's the thing I'd look for. Like watch them. That's why I think people should go out in groups. Yeah. You go watch, talk to the people they're not attracted to. I totally agree with you. They're attracted to you. Charm's deceptive. I and they totally can be faking. totally agree. Absolutely. You know, and uh, just watch them. You know? How they treat everybody else is, is yes. really what's most important is the bottom line. And, you know, yeah. you guys might be listening to this and saying, like, you know, we, we've heard this. We know that Christians should date Christians. But what I know to be true is that I'm getting so many emails from people saying, is this 100%? Are you sure we have to do this? Because there's not too many Christians out here. There's no, there's not many good people out here anymore. And I'm feeling desperate and I am, I just want to, I just want to go out with somebody. I just need a date. But at the end of the day, you are sacrificing just to ease that loneliness, but you're opening the door to, to greater loneliness down the line. Yes, totally. And here's what I encourage people. You know, I mentioned that Genesis passage, that man walked 500 miles to go find the right woman for Isaac. So, you know, this is Genesis. It's not like, hey, it doesn't play out this. It, it used to be easier back then. Like, <laughs> dude walked. Five you are miles. absolutely and right. 500 back. He walked a thousand miles. Dude walked. And, um, so, and the other thing I would say, it was, it was last night. I do a Bible study with our team leaders at our church. And, you know, like I said, our whole church is young professionals. So they're all in their 20s. And I'm in this room with these men, and we're studying the Word of God together. And I got to tell you, like, who was it? David said it once in the Old Testament. He said, I have lion-faced men. And I loved that. I think about that in that room all the time. I'm like, these are lion-faced men. These guys are courageous. They're here volitionally. They don't have to be here. They want to be good men. So I hear it a lot, and I sympathize truly because I think dating has gotten complicated and stressful, and I hear the desperation in women I really care about. Yes. But when I hear them say there's no good men anymore, that's when I want to say, no, stop. I agree it, with you. You're, you're meeting them. You're, you're with them. Oh, every week. So it, it has gotten harder. Communication's gotten difficult. Dating has more ambiguity. But don't believe the lie yes. that there's no good men anymore. And, and what I would say is get about the work. Absolutely. Get, get 
involved in places where you see people reweaving the broken fabric of society, like serve at your church, get involved in some organizations that are making a difference in the city. Cause that's where the Eagles are Absolutely. flying. Absolutely. That's so among them. So I, like I said, I see them all the time and I'm like, y'all don't know the guys I know, but if you were a, if you were a door holder at my church is what mm-hmm. we call volunteers, man, you would know them. You would You're see absolutely them. Absolutely. Right. Get involved, so, get plugged in. I love that. So mutual faith that, which leads to mutual character. Right. And yeah. then, and then moving on, you know, one thing I want to uh, make sure to bring up in this episode is that I don't know, I don't even know your your thoughts on this, Ben, but I'm just going to go ahead and say I really believe <laughs> that there should be mutual interest and initiation. Um, yeah. I think sometimes what ends up happening is we fall into a one person does all the work in the relationship and 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 whether it's the guy, whether it's the girl, we make excuses for why the other person isn't texting back or calling back or why don't, why aren't they in it? Well, they're probably so busy or dot, 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 dot. But healthy relationships have to be made of give and take. There's got to be two people involved. And, and I think that's something that would indicate health in a dating relationship is when you see you're both giving and you're both receiving. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, I encourage people all the time to give the gift of clarity, you know. That, yes, uh, I've heard you say that before. I love uh, that. Talk to me know, about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, the the Bible says uh, an honest word is a kiss on the lips, you know. Like, it honors somebody and it's a kindness to be honest to th- with them. And I think for men, they can they can alleviate a lot of anxiety in women by being clear. Hey, I'm interested in getting to know you. Would you like to go to dinner with me? Then after dinner, say, hey, this was fun. Can I call you? So she's not leaving going, did he like it or not? Will I ever hear from him again? Should I text him? Did he like give her some clarity of how you see things? And then I think women, it's the same, you know, of, um, can you tell him, hey, this was fun. I would love to do this again. Or, yes. hey, you know what? You seem great, but I don't see this going anywhere. No one likes being ghosted. Nobody. Yes. It's universally despised in every survey on ghosting. So we do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And what we say is, oh, that level of honesty might hurt their feelings. And you go, yeah, but not as much as ghosting does. You're absolutely right. Don't say you're ghosting out of mercy. That's a that's a cruelty. And don't say God and, told you to. <laughs> that drives no, me loony. Don't blame it on God. Don't just blame tell it them on I'm God. Not that's going to mess up their relationship with God just to to try to fix their relationship with you. Yeah, no. So I, I think that level of clarity is helpful and yeah. can alleviate a lot of the ambiguity. A lot of the ambiguity is because we're scared and we're scared because we're being selfish. And yeah. I think if, if we come back to how would I want someone to honor me, I'd want them to speak the truth to me. Uh, love wants the truth for everybody. Yeah. So speak the truth in love. I that, love that you're a, a pastor that isn't afraid to say that, hey, it's okay for a woman to say, hey, this was fun because there's a lot of people who really feel that it's wrong or sinful to to, to initiate. And I am all about um, mutual respect, mutual growth, mutual initiation in the sense that relationships have got to be give and take, give and take. Yeah. And God yeah. tells us to guard our heart. We're responsible for our own heart. Nobody's going to guard it for us. So if yeah. you're not sure where this relationship is going, ladies, and you feel like you've been on a few <laughs> dates and you don't know, it's your responsibility to say, hey, yeah. 
I'm, I, you know, you're, you need to guard your heart and it's okay for you to, to yeah. move forward with clarity, like Ben yeah. said, and intention. Well, one of the first girls I ever dated in college, she did that with me. I think I asked her to a date party or something and she just was like, Hey, I'm really interested in you, but I, I am just curious if you're interested in all in pursuing that. Is there something here? Cause if you're not, that's it, okay. I don't want to pressure you. I just want to know. And I was so caught off guard I don't remember what I said. It was something <laughs> stupid. But I remember after that, the way she said it was not, not ang- there was no anxiety. It wasn't like, what's going on with this? What are you got? Like, right. there was none of that, like, desperation. She was just like, hey, this is fun. I like getting to know you. Do you see this going anywhere? Because I just don't want to, you know. And and I walked away going, I'm not sure how I feel, but one thing I know is she is way more mature than me. Wow. <laughs> I love that. And at that point in my life, I just had... I, you know, I didn't have the awareness then that I do now. I, I needed, I wasn't ready to date. Yeah. There was some unresolved emotional pain that I had never dealt with and I was not ready. And I just told her, I'm sorry, I'm not ready to date. And she just took it so well. And then we could see each other later and it wasn't weird. It was really healthy. I love but, that. Um, I was shocked by that. You know, I, it's funny because I do think, you know, I read a survey a few years ago that like, less than 12% of women initiated a date in the previous year. So, and that's not just religious people. I think on the whole, we still live in a world where women want men to initiate, but it's weird when people, I think it's unnecessary to sort of canonize that as a moral imperative. I agree with you. It's a preference, you know, it's a preference. Ruth is telling Boaz, she's like, are we doing this? Are we not doing this? Like, You've got the Old Testament, a girl telling a guy, I'm interested in you. Right. So I think that's 100% fine. One thing I want to um, back up and and also talk about for a minute, when because it kind of leads into you know another aspect of healthy dating. You talked about how at that point in your life, you just needed some healing, some growth, and um, dealing with some stuff. And, and I think healthy dating reflects mutual growth as well. Like two people who are both growing and want dealing with their past and yeah. identifying their communication skills or lack thereof and <laughs> assessing their, their emotional health, their spiritual health, all yeah. of that stuff. Like this, this constant, we're, we're both, we're both growing together. We're not stagnant. We're moving yeah. towards something. We're moving towards Jesus. We're moving towards our goals. We're moving towards health and wholeness. Um, cause you don't, you know, you don't want to be in a relationship with someone that you have to drag behind you no, or push ahead of you. You want to be with someone who's mutually walking as you are walking and taking steps towards God as you're taking steps towards God. So there's got to be an element of growth. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the song of Solomon and all of the imagery is springtime. It's growing. And I tell young people to look at that. If Sometimes you can have two great people, but when they get together, it does not produce the newness of spring. Yeah. It just doesn't. And if all you're feeling is, I'm just, there's so much tension and confusion and frustration, you, go, you just may not be ready. And the right person at the wrong time just may be the wrong thing. Right. And you need to know that and go... You know, I tell people, you got to have clarity on what dating is for, and it's evaluating. Mm. Are we meant to run together forever? And you're evaluating that person, and you're evaluating yourself, and that's where, you know, that last piece, I was talking about charity, piety, prudence is wisdom. 
for me, I needed the wisdom of other people. I just realized, you know, it's natural in dating to pair off. That's what dating is, two people sort of eventually pairing off. But I just think with many counselors, victory is sure. And so for me, I didn't want a ton of people giving advice to Donna and I, but there were a few wise people Mm. that I'm like, hey, will you go to dinner with us and then just tell me what you see afterwards? You know, or definitely uh, you're inviting people to speak in your life. Because I needed their objectivity to evaluate our growth. And uh, sometimes when you're close and you're infatuated and you have all this crazy emotions, you lose objectivity. And, uh, you know, that's why I like Song of Solomon. It's the woman speaking, the man, God, and her friends. Yeah. (laughs) Because she needed her friends to say, this guy is worth your affections. Right. Uh, and sometimes you need someone to say, Hey, I know you want to be with somebody, but this guy is a bad listener. Have you noticed he doesn't care about anything you're saying? Like, uh, sometimes we can miss that. We can, and, we can um, be so close to it that we miss mm-hmm. it. And that's, that's the value of community. That's the value of doing relationships in the body of Christ rather than in isolation And guys, you heard Ben say, there's a lot of millennials and a lot of singles in D.C. So if you are in that area, you (laughs) get yourself to Pastor City Church because uh, you need to to do this in community, you know? I think it's such an important thing. We did a community group this summer on, on dating and relationships, and we rented out this huge hall at the Eastern Market, this beautiful old market in D.C., and by the end of it, it was wall-to-wall people, and we were using outside. I mean, wow. just tables stretching all the way. It, it just um, And it, it was like, you know what? This is a room filled, a room and a sidewalk and a walkway and a street filled with wonderful people yes. that are navigating really challenging times and communicating. You know, yeah. uh, I think we all know that. The iPhone's 12 years old. And these 12 years have been really confusing into how to relate to each other. But we know that there's been an increase in self-reported awkwardness in relationships. And that's led to less community, less time hanging out, less dates, and less marriage. And so let's acknowledge we live in a social time that's been tough for us. Now, can we as, as believers in Jesus love one another well and help each other be gracious where each other are awkward, be gentle, but be honest, truthful, and walk together into the future God has for us. I'm committed to that, and it's been fun to watch a community, I think, take some healthy steps that direction. So yeah, come hang out with us. That is so awesome, and it definitely, I love hearing churches who are focusing on singles. Ben, one of the number one things that I hear, you know, as primarily um, reaching single millennials is we need help showing churches that this is an important thing. And I truly believe that if we want to create healthy marriages, we've got to start by creating healthy singles. That's where it's got to start. And I love that you are so passionate about drawing them in and offering them a safe place to process and relate to one another and learn. Um, That right there is an example of the body of Christ in it, and it's something that I'm so excited to hear about. So thank you for what you're doing for this generation, and thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. This was awesome. I really appreciate it. Sure. Well, it was fun. Thank you, and I'm really glad you're doing this. And man, just all the best to this 
to everything you got going on. This is special and we're cheering you on from DC for sure. Thanks so much, Ben. You take care. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today. It was so fun to chat with you about love and relationships. No matter what your relationship status, if you're looking to go deeper with healthy relationships, I invite you to check out my books, True Love Dates, Choosing Marriage, or my brand new book, Love in Every Season. You can find out more information about those as well as hundreds of articles and in-depth courses over at my blog, truelovedates.com. I love connecting with you. So please find me on Facebook or Instagram at True Love Dates and give me a shout out. If you have a love and relationship question on your mind, reach out to me at truelovedates.com slash love and relationships. If you're loving what you're hearing on this show, be sure to subscribe and leave us your five-star review because it makes all the difference in getting the word out. I'm Deborah Faleta, and it was so great being together again today, and I can't wait to chat with you next week. Take care.